we've been talking about family matters. Amen. How many of you have enjoyed the series so far? Okay, a few of you have, yeah? Let me ask you this. How many of us are ready for the blessing of God's word today? Are you? Good, good, good. Now, do you know that family matters? Family matters. Turn to your neighbor and remind them, hey, family matters. Now, turn back and say, we're the family of God, so you matter. Well, I just noticed something. I can tell who argued on the way to church. Because there were a few couples that stopped at the, you matter to me. They just stopped right there. You know, I love you. And we're going we're gonna to experience God's goodness today. Amen. Can you get excited about that? I believe that you get a lot more. You get a lot more from the preaching of God's word when you lean forward as opposed to leaning back. Now, that doesn't mean your posture in your chair has to be one of leaning forward. It's the posture of your heart. It's the posture of your soul, of your, of your being saying, Lord, I want you. Versus, ah, I'm not sure, God. I'm not sure if I want you. But I want to remind you that family matters to God. I want to remind you, and I want this to get deep down in your heart and your soul, that you don't have to convince God to love your family. God loves your family more than you love your family. You don't have to convince God to remember your family and to want to bless your family. The the truth is, God remembers your family and desires to bless your family. Why? Because he loves your family. Your family was his idea, not yours. It was God that instituted the family. Therefore, he loves the family. It was Jesus Christ, the son of God, the creator of all that said... What I have joined together, what God has joined together, let what? No one separate. That means God desires to bless your family. I remind, I want to remind you that the first message we talked about, make sure you fight. Make sure you fight. Then I said, may the Lord bless your family. That was last week. This week is, may you bless your family. And I want to go right into Numbers 6.24. In Numbers 6.24, you see, you see a blessing from the Lord. And I'm giving you time. If you have your Bible with you, you can look it up. Numbers 6.24. It's the fourth book of the Bible. And uh, this is the Mosaic blessing to God's people. But do you realize that the blessing didn't start with Moses? It literally started with Abraham. And through the ages, Abraham blessed his son, who blessed his son, who blessed his sons, who blessed their sons, who blessed their sons. And it continues on. And now you have God setting them free from bondage in Egypt. And and Moses is reminding his people, reminding the children of Israel that God is for them. Amen. And therefore we should remind ourselves, God is for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants good things for you. And so he says in verse 24, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile down on you and show you his kindness. Come on. How many of us want the kindness of the Lord? Now watch verse 26. May the Lord answer your prayers. 
That means when you pray, may God say yes. May God say absolutely. May God say, I desire that as well. Therefore, it shall be done in the name of Jesus. That's a powerful statement there. May God answer your prayers and give you peace. Come on, how many of us know peace is is an important thing? Now you might think to yourself, but pastor, back in the in the ancient times, peace took on a whole new meaning. Because they would actually, they would have raiders come in, raid your town, your village, your your city, and would kill and pillage and take and all of these things. So when God, when we ask God for peace back then, it, it meant something else. Let me ask you this. Is not the enemy still killing and destroying and pillaging and stealing? He just does it in different ways. See, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And if you get busy, then you get stressed. And if you get stressed, then before long, your, your, your health starts to fail. And so the enemy is killing just as many people with stress and anxiety and worry as he ever has. And these are the things that God's peace guards against. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you to pray these prayers over your family and to believe that God wants to give you peace. In, in chapter, uh, in Psalms 128, chapter 128 of Psalms, we focused on this last week and we'll cover some of it today. I want to remind you that it's one of two Psalms located right next to each other that are for the family. It's meant to bless the family. Psalms 127 was also about the family. And about how children are a heritage and a blessing from the Lord. And the man whose quiver is full of children is blessed. Why? Because a child has amazing potential in the hands of a skilled warrior. In the hands of a skilled marksman, you can launch that child. You can project them. You can send them through the air. And you can, you can, you can launch them to a future that's bright and beautiful. And so that's what the psalmist is painting for us. But here in Psalms 128, he says, blessed are all who fear the Lord. Now, last week we said the fear of the Lord is a big deal, isn't it? Do you know that's one of the most important things you can teach your children? To fear the Lord. To fear the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. And your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, last week we talked about those verses and we talked about your wife being a fruitful vine within your house. Today we're going to unpack your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Parents, God has blessed you with children. And that blessing, listen to me, is a responsibility. Can I say it again? That blessing is a responsibility. You say, Pastor, I don't know how that feels. It feels like responsibility. That's just more stress, more weight. No, let let me change it. Not responsibility. How about privilege? How about that? Not only is it a responsibility, church, it's a privilege, but it's also a right. You have a right now as a father, as a mother, to speak into your children's life and to cover them, to bless them, and to speak life over them. Why? Because the Bible says that you have what? 
a God-given mandate. And if you have a mandate, then you also have the authority to go with the instruction. That means you have authority to speak life over your children. So you shouldn't walk passively. You shouldn't walk tentatively. You shouldn't walk like you're not sure of yourself. You should step in the boldness of God and say, Lord, let my words be life-breathing, life-giving. May I take my rightful place under your covering and within my home. Oh, come on. I'm trying to get this across to somebody if you just help me a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is this. God wants to bless your family and he wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. So I'm just going to encourage you to gird yourself up in the Lord. And to stop feeling shame. To stop feeling uncertainty. To stop feeling guilt of what you should have, could have, would have, did have. I don't care about that. What God wants you to do today is to trust him for more going forward. From this point, going forward, God wants you to trust him for more. Can you do that? Can you do that? Absolutely we can. So he says, your children will be like olive shoots. And then he says, yes, this will be the blessing for the man, for the household who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion May you, what, see prosperity from Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. And may your heart be glad that they follow him. Come on, can I get an amen for somebody who wants to see that? Someone who claims that promise today and says, that, that's me. Lord, you're talking to me, I'll take it. I'll take you up on that. You know, throughout scripture, I think sometimes people think that Preachers just try to hype you up. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm trying to convince you that what the Bible teaches is real. And throughout scripture, God has said, my eyes are looking to and fro to see whose heart is set on me. Who would step forward? Who would say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I mean, isn't God's promise always that way? It's like, here it is. I'm going to tell you what I want to do for you. What I would like for our church to do today and every day to step across that line and to say, that's us. We want your blessing, God. I believe that you want to have me see my children's children and for me to be glad in my heart as I see them honoring the Lord, as I see them walking in your goodness. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now listen, in the book of 1 Timothy It gets pretty real, real quick. It gets real, real fast. And Paul is talking to a young Timothy who has planted a church or who has taken over the church that Paul planted in the, in the town of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a hard town to be in. It's a very secular town. It's a very commercial town. It's a very, uh, materialistic town and it's a very, a very pagan town. And so you've got all sorts of things coming against the families that are trying to what? Honor God in that city. And Timmy, Timothy has now become the senior pastor of that church. And so Paul is encouraging Tim. And he's saying this, he's saying, but if anyone does not provide for his own, can I get an amen? This is the hard part. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household. 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I want you to think about those words. Those are big time words. If you don't provide for your house, you are worse than an infidel, to use the King James language. You are worse than an infidel. You go, Pastor, how is that supposed to make me less stressful? That's your responsibility, man of God. That's your responsibility, woman of God. But first with the man. That's your responsibility, parents of God. To provide for your household. Now I just want you to give yourself a hand clap. Because the truth is we've got some providers in the house. Do we not? We have some providers in the house. You're looking at men and women and parents of God. That go and work tirelessly to provide for their children. So that they might have a better life. But can I tell you. What if Paul is not just talking about physical providing. What if he's talking about, can I tell you, if you're physically providing for your family, that's awesome. That's awesome, but don't forget the spiritual. Because, listen, Satan wants your child spiritually too. And so we provide a physical roof over our families so to keep them safe. But what about the spiritual roof? What about the spiritual covering to keep them safe from the onslaught of the enemy? It's coming every day to pepper them. See, your home needs to be an oasis. Your home needs to be a safe covering. Your home needs to be a strong tower that they can run to. Your home needs to be that place where they are taught, where they are replenished, where they are trained, where they are loved, where they are built up and feel the safety of your home. Why? Because there's enough war going on outside the home. But what if your children, what if your family finds no peace in that home? There is no spiritual covering. There is no emotional covering. There might be a physical covering, but as soon as you walk under that physical covering, you feel the tension. What if there's the tension of mom and dad arguing and bickering and tearing each other down and being hostile towards one another and being critical towards one another and constantly ask me if maybe he's talking about that too. Because the truth of the matter is, when they feel that, they're going to want to go and escape somewhere. But they go and escape to the world, and then the enemy says, now I really got them. Because they're in no condition to meet me today. They're in no condition to withstand what I've got for them today. Why? Because they've been running from... They're leaving and they're fleeing the place they're supposed to run to. That's why... I want to share with you how important our job is to bless our families. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. We're going to bless our families. In Genesis 27, the Bible talks about the power of a blessing. The power of a blessing. Now, if you're familiar with the chapter, you're going to say to me, but the blessing was kind of mixed up there a little bit. You had two brothers. They were twins. And they fought from day one. Do you realize that Jacob, the younger brother, to Esau, the older brother, they were twins. When they, when they were being delivered, Jacob, they were fighting in the womb. Esau was always stronger. He came out first and Jacob came out clutching his foot. Saying, no, I want the blessing. Do you realize that that categorized and that uh, characterized, excuse me, Jacob's life, his whole life? 
Even the very end, after he steals his brother's blessing, after he finagles, after he gets cheated by his own father-in-law, after he goes round and round and round, God shows up and he wrestles with God all night long. And as Jesus is saying, I need you to let me go because I, I, I'm, I'm leaving now. It's like a father who, who, who wrestles with their son and you always have that one child that won't let you go. You know, that, that just keeps wrestling and keeps wrestling. And you're like, I gotta go to work. I've gotta go do this. I got, you gotta have. And so the Lord is saying to Jacob, no, we're done. Daylight's coming up. We've been wrestling all night. It's been real and it's been fun. And it's been really fun. Yeah, and it's been really fun, but, but I've got to go. And Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. This is, this is the, the chapter of where that blessing gets stolen. But it doesn't change the fact that a father in Isaac really wanted to convey a blessing to his children. And we can learn a lot from what Isaac does. And there's three things that I want to highlight for you that Isaac does. Listen to me. He says, come near to me that I may touch you, my son. How important is a father's touch? How important is a mother's touch? How important is it to touch your children in the home? I'm talking about physical caressing, hugging, loving, squeezing them tight in a hug and letting them know. I'm not talking about just a little... You know, the hug you give right after COVID when you don't really want a hug, but you want to prove that you're not scared anymore. Not that hug. I'm talking pre-COVID hugs when you would like really squeeze somebody, squeeze your children that way. And you might be thinking to yourself right now, but that's not who I am. I wasn't raised that way. That's not what I did. I'm, I'm more of a, 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 a you know, I, I just, I'm more of a drill sergeant type of dad. Get over that. Get over it. Let new beginnings start today. Let your children know how much you love them by physically touching them. There is no shortage of studies that have come out showing how important physical touch is to healing someone. This is why this disease is so evil in that it separates us from our loved ones and they can't be in the hospital with us to touch, to love, to reassure. But not only do you want to touch them, you want to squeeze them in. They're going to get to an age where, where, where you think to yourself, I don't know what's happening to my daughter, to my son. They're acting so different. Let me give you a, a couple of hints because I've been through the teenage years now. Don't touch them on the head anymore because they've got hairspray and gel and stuff up there that they've spent time. And the thing is that sometimes you don't realize that they've got something going on because I've done it and I've touched them. They go, whoa, dad, you're messing up my hair. I said, I didn't know it was fixed. (laughs) Right? Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't know. Oh, that's the new style. I didn't realize that. And then you got to build them up again. I know you look lovely, beautiful, great, awesome, wonderful, right? But, but what I'm saying is that maybe you go from touching them on the head to touching them on the cheek and kissing them and loving them. And, and, but make sure that they understand you care, parents. Why do I emphasize to the dads? Because in my, in my uh, experience, dads tend to have more trouble in this area. But if you're a mom and you have trouble in this area, then I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Either way, your children need to know you care. And then he said, come close. Why? He wanted to smell him and he wanted to, him to feel his breath 
as he spoke the words of life because there is something supernatural about the breath of life that God has given you. And now you get the what? Responsibility, no wait, privilege of sharing that breath of life with your children. And it's healing, it's encouraging, it's life giving. Can I tell you the world does enough shame and ridiculing and putting false expectations on our children. When they come home, they need to hear affirmation. Well done. I love you. You're an awesome child of God. I know that I see for you the promises in this book because I see them lived out. But dad, I messed up. Everybody messes up. But it's not how you fall. It's how you get up. And I see you getting up time and time again. And God is honoring that. And God loves you. And let me share with you in the book of Romans, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, your, your sins are forgiven and you are the righteousness of God and you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. And this could happen from a father, a mother, or a grandmother or a grandfather. Can I tell you that Jacob, now he steals his, son, his brother's blessing, tricks his dad. This is a big deal. Blessings are a big deal. Now he has 12 sons of his own. One of them gets sold into slavery, right? They're finally reunited in a miraculous God miracle type way. And when they're reunited, Joseph has sons of his own. And the grandfather says, bring me your sons. I want to bless them. Now watch what he does. Joseph brings the sons and he arranges them. Oldest Youngest, right? Ephraim, Manasseh. The grandfather redoes it and crosses his hands to bless them. Joseph says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, dad. He's the oldest, he's the youngest. The grandfather says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. You know what he was doing? He was making the sign of the cross. And he was saying, there is coming a time under the covenant of grace where the blessing will flow like never before. And I'm giving every parent, not just fathers, not just the male figure. I'm giving mothers, fathers. I'm giving aunts, uncles. I'm giving Christian people an opportunity to bless their family like never before through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. Okay. So he blesses them. Now you say, What does this mean? We'll uncover it as we keep going, but stay with me on this. Just remember, you can bless even if you're not a parent through the covenant of grace. The question is, will you take up the responsibility? Oh, wait. The privilege of doing it. That's what the point is. Because I was asking the Lord, I was like, how can I preach from a chapter that's all about two brothers stealing from each other? And God is saying, tell them how big the blessing was. How big the blessing was that in their own flesh they got ahead of me. But I showed Jacob when I wrestled with him 
that a time is coming and has now come where the blessing will flow like never before. Why won't your church use it? Not just this church, but why won't the church use it? There's this, there's this time that's come. So you say to yourself, okay, pastor, how do I do it? You instruct your children to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, to respect God, to love God. You say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says this, train up a child in the way he should go. How many of you know Proverbs 22, 6? Come on, how many of you stand on that promise? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And what? And when he is old, come on, train up a child in the way she should go. And when she is old, she will not depart from it. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now there's a lot of key words in there, but one of the main ones is train up. How do you train someone? Can I tell you? Time. You also need energy. You know, I've been watching the Olympics. How many of you have already gotten into the Olympics in a way that's not healthy? (laughs) Right? I just love the Olympics, man. They've kept us waiting an extra year and you start getting into the backstories. And I love to see the way these athletes have trained, even during a very unconventional year. Training at home, continue to train, continue to train. And can I tell you, we have a church that brings their children to Rush, that brings your children to our, that's our youth group, that brings your children to our 3D. I love that because our kids are being trained up, amen? You're doing good, church, you're doing good. Our Rush ministry had 75 plus kids this past uh, Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? And that's after building back up. We're building back up, guys. If your children aren't coming, encourage them to get there, amen? Come talk to one of the leaders. We'll make sure they feel at home. But this is the thing. I want to encourage you to go beyond. I want you to, I want to encourage you to go for the gold when it comes to training your, your children. That means don't just do the minimum. If you were training a top athlete and nutrition, uh, nutrition wise, you were making sure they needed, they got what they needed to be so they could be where they needed to be. Would you feed them just once a week? No. How about twice a week? No. Would you bring them to me and say, Pastor Chris, feed my child and you have an hour to do it? No, what I'm telling you, remember, think spiritually. Spiritual is just as important, if not more, than the physical. Jesus said this. The physical can be destroyed, right? So don't fear the one that can just destroy the physical. That's the enemy. Fear the one that can destroy what? The physical and the spiritual. That means make sure that they're saved. Make sure that they're being built up. Make sure you're giving them three balanced meals. You go, how do I do that? We'll talk more about that in a second. But it takes time. And sometimes you don't know that they're actually grabbing the message until one day your cat unexpectedly, um, the cat that you didn't want, but someone dumped it and you end up with it because Bastrop County tells you that. Yeah. And then your children say, yeah, dad, we really want to keep this cat. And I'm like, no, 
no, no, we're finding a good home for him. And then you see your son doing this. I don't know if they have the video, but if you want to play it. I mean, how many times has he seen me dedicate your children that very same way? And I raise them up and I speak blessing and life over them. But fathers, I want you to do that every single day to your own children. Lift them up. And you think that maybe they're not hearing you. And then all of a sudden when I'm like, the cat's got to go, he's like, He invokes the power of God. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, that's so awesome, Lord, but so unfair. (laughs) You know, because come on guys, it has an effect. It has an effect. And, And the way I would say to do it is at the table. At the table. Now I'm going to show you a video. Not, not right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to show you a video of my family. And I need to say this to you. I don't show it to you to impress you. I show it to you to impress upon you. And to give my king glory. You shall overcome the enemy by the what? Blood of the lamb. Jesus washed me white as snow. He is the, my savior. He is the grace. He is everything to me. And so I say this because what happens, and, and I've been very fearful to, to do some things sometimes because, and then God says, stop being fearful. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Give me praise. Give me praise. I don't ever want you to think, well, pastor thinks his family just all that. No, it's not about that. It's about encouraging you. And this is the one he's given me, so this is the one I have to show. But this is what our... says here he says your children will be like olive shoots around your table so who your whole family bring grandparents if you have them bring aunts and uncles bring whoever but bring those who serve the lord and can underpin and undergird what you were teaching 
what you are teaching. Who? Your children. Where? At your house. When? As often as possible. As often as possible. We do ours once a week on Sunday. You know, I used to go out with different people and I used to do different things and God just convicted me. Your children need more of you. You need to get back to what you started. Come on. We used to do it, then we started getting away from it. You say, Pastor, but my children are grown, or I'm empty nesting, or what do I do? You come together with your close family, and then ask God to see who you need to encourage at your table. And bring them by, love on them, care for them. You say, but Pastor, my children are going here and there. Uh Uh-uh. You come and eat with mom and dad this time, this day, at the table, no ifs, ands, or buts. No, seriously. You say, but what if they have friends and what invite their friends? Those weren't all my kids. I think some of them were y'all's. Bring bring the friends over. Then you get to gauge what kind of friends they have. See, because this is what happens at the table. It's a three-step process when they're really little and toddlers and going in elementary school. It's called the grammar stage. Grammar is when you're pouring into and you're teaching them what they need to know. Then you have the logic stage. You're teaching them how to think. First you taught them what's a thing. Now you're teaching them how to think, right? The, the, the logic stage is when they start to reason through things. Then there's finally the rhetoric stage. The rhetoric stage is when you get to hear what they know and you get to do like Jesus did with his disciples and the rabbis did for generation upon generation where they would ask questions and they would answer. And based on the answer, the rabbi would either say, you've abolished the law, meaning no good, or you fulfilled the law. Good job. That's why Jesus said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, I did not come to what? Abolish the law, but to fulfill the law he was using language they were familiar with and so this is the time and you start answering and questioning and talking and see this is very very important guys because some people have gotten it all mixed up and in the grammar stage they want to hear what their children have to say and they always want their children teaching them I want to hear what my children have to say, but right now they don't know God's word. So it's my turn. It's my time to pour God's word into them, pour God's word into them. Don't get me wrong. They talk and they share and they, but, but I'm not so interested in having them constantly share their opinions as much as I'm interested in them understanding the word of almighty God. Then then you get to the, and, and so this is the classical approach to education in the home and in the school. You say, but, but, but does it work? I'll tell you what, what Dr. Rob said to me. Dr. Rob said, I've been all over the world and I've met children from Christian missionaries everywhere. And those Christian missionaries raise good kids, but when they send them to school, they always come back more liberal and, and struggling with their faith. You're the only one I've met that sent your daughter to a secular university. She came out stronger than when she went in. I don't say that to impress you. I say it to impress upon you. If you train up a child, 
That means you've got to get in there and you've got to spend that time. You've got to talk and you've got to work it out. And you say, you might say to yourself, but pastor, you sound like a strict parent. I would hate to be your child. I wouldn't want you as my child either. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, of course I'd love you as my child. <laughs> Let me see. How can I recover from this one? You know, no, listen, listen, because some people said, well, you, you preach to drag your children to church. No, that was a joke, right? The young man was asked, how did you get to be so good? Well, you see, I had a drug problem. Every time the church doors opened, my parents drug me to church, right? No, but you bring them to church, but then you share love at the table. You share love at the table. We'll finish right here. What do you share? You share God's word. How do you share it with love? And this is, this is the how. When I correct my children, I say, hey, baby, that's not a good, that's not a good philosophy. That's a philosophy of the age. But can I share with you the philosophy of God's word? Because the education in this world and in this society is raising our children according to the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age. We're called to raise our children according to the spirit of God. And so with love, I say, hey, let's, let's remember what God's word says. Let's remember how to stay on path with God's word. And then they're strengthened. So you do it that way. And then why? Because I know that once they leave my home, they're going to have to stand on their own. And I know that they're olive shoots. They're olive shoots. What's an olive shoot? It's not a full-blown tree. I know that I have a certain amount of time. How much time do we have? Well, an olive tree will not begin producing, really producing, until age 30 to 40. Do you realize that most young men don't mature, really mature until age 30? That's why you couldn't be a rabbi until you were 30. I see some guys going, I got some time. Quit quit forcing me out of the house. Now I'm not saying you coddle and baby, but you remind yourself that, hey, they still need my guidance. Young men, you still need your parents' guidance and their wisdom. And if you don't have parents with good godly wisdom, find yourself a good disciple maker. Find yourself a good disciple maker that will pour God's word into your life. So this is what I'm trying to share with you. Is that that even if your child is at college, they still need your guidance. Even if your child is working and has a family of his own, he still needs your guidance. This is what the Bible shows. Even sons that were old with families were being blessed by their father at that point. Why? Because they were still in the family home. They were still a part of the family structure. And the father never stopped looking after. You say, but pastor, if we do that, aren't we slowing down the maturity process even more? No. The maturity process is being slowed down in our society, not because we're loving them too much, but because we're not vigilant enough. 
I'll tell you what slows down the maturity process. All of the sin and junk that the enemy wants to introduce them to. See, they're not maturing fast enough. That's because they're being exposed too fast. They're being exposed way too fast to sexual things. They're being exposed way too fast to secular doctrines. They're being exposed way too fast to all kinds of criminality. They're being exposed to drugs. They're being exposed to philosophies of this age that are dangerous and harmful to the home. They're being exposed to things that their minds aren't supposed to comprehend. Why? Because God didn't create them that way. But society through 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 the philosophy of this age and psychology is trying to brainwash our children. And so they're having to what? Deal with all of that. All of that coming on their little souls. And it's slowing down their maturity. The only thing that can truly help them mature is God's word. Is God's word. God's word. So get in there, dads, moms, pour God's word into them. Pour God's word into them. You never stop being a dad. And so I was asking the Lord, how do I preach this out of a chapter where they like stole the blessing and did all of this stuff? And God said very simply, the blessing is something beautiful. And I taught Jacob, he didn't have to steal it. I would have given it graciously. And he learned it so that when he blessed his grandchildren, he made the sign of the cross and the sign of grace. And your church lives under what? The covenant of grace. Therefore, teach them to bless their children, not once upon a time, every day. Let it flow openly from their homes. Aunts and uncles, bless your children. Grandparents, bless your children. Church members, bless those you disciple. Bless their children, right? You say, do I have to physically touch them? When you get a chance, hug them, speak a word over them, give them a blessing. Let it flow. Let it flow. But as we close, I want to talk to dads. In 1992, Barcelona, there was a young man who had trained tirelessly for his race. His name was Derek Redmond. After all those hours of training, he ended up getting hurt. And this is what happened next. Because you never stop being a parent.
Hey, when you run the race of life, you're going to have challenges. Be there for each other. Be there for each other. Don't quit. Remember, our Savior King waits. And we will soon hear, well done, good and faithful servants. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Before we take communion, I actually forgot this. I did it in first service. I'm going to ask you to, to just bow your heads right there where you sit for one minute. Graciously and generously bless your family, your children, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever God puts on your heart, but bless them generously. Bless them by name. Consider their unique qualities. Bless them from the depths of your heart. Let the Holy Spirit stir the blessing. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for family in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your son, Lord. Thank you for your son, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. I love you, family. Amen. Amen.